Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. Each week and every week, we skillfully let our fermenting beers go off and drink what's left. Yes, that is right. Well, we technically let the experts do it. And I guess those of you brewing at home, you can do it too. We're talking about sours. It's a little off. Like yogurt's off. Well, yes, exactly. Mm. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. So we have the, we have, yeah, so we're talking about sour beers today. We are. Uh, older, and uh, a beer that's older than both of us realized it was going to be. Yeah, it uh, turns out that this particular type of beer has been around since the late 1800s. Hmm. With the, um, I suppose, well, we've talked about the, uh, the Gosa style before which is technically a sour comes under the sour category Hmm, i suppose so i mean there's a lot of styles that fit under the sour category Mm. and not everything i guess it's one of those uh much much like with um not all brandies are cognacs but all cognacs are brandies yeah yeah. Well, sort of. I mean, because not all, like, uh, not all ghosts are necessarily sour. They don't have to be. They no. usually are. I I think it is more of a um, style, like a catch-all style, where a bunch of beers mostly fit into this category. And because they mostly fit, everyone just says these subcategories are part of the overall category of sours. Sours, yeah. Mm. And I guess we should start by mentioning how sours are made. They are made by throwing caution to the wind and letting go of the control that brewers normally covet so much in making sure their beer turns out perfect. Yeah, and obviously it's a little more controlled nowadays, but uh, traditionally, they were made, they were they were set to age in open-topped barrels, and the wild yeast would do all sorts of unexpected things and turn the beer sour. Hmm. It would also give it a bunch of other flavors too. Yes. Um. That and that depends on where the beers are being made. Yeah. Exactly. And that was. I guess, in part, why anything involving wild yeast and open-topped brewing was for a long time undesirable because what they wanted was predictability and repeatability in flavor profile. Mm. And they mostly had that. As as they got better and better at uh, making beers, the brewers ended up with a particular style based on the bacteria in the air of the brewery. So even though they were the barrels were open-topped, they still started to end up with a reasonably consistent flavour. Yeah, and now, of course, they, in these very controlled environments that they produce beer in, they intentionally introduce wild yeast into it that hmm. 
isn't there because they're such clean environments with stainless steel tanks and various other things. Though, according to some of the conversations we've had with craft brewers, once you use wild yeast in a tank, that's basically game over. Yeah. You can't get it out again. You can't use it for anything other than sours for the rest of its life. It's very, very hard to to get it out for sure. I think they're getting better at it. They've, I know of one craft brewer in, um, I think it was Ballina, in Queensland, that has that makes sour beers, and uh, they seem to do a pretty good job at scrubbing the kettle. Yeah, so I guess while we're talking about the. Uh the wild yeast. Let's talk about the bacterias that most commonly end up in sour beer to sour the beer. So the most common microbes that are used to intentionally sour beer are, and these names will probably sound familiar to those of you who are interested in health and yogurt and various other probiotic drinks, Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, and Brettanomyces are, yes, commonly used. And um, so the the Lactobacillus is in a lot of stuff. It's in yogurt. It's in sour creams. It's in the probiotics you can get at the chemist. It's in the fermented milk products you can get at at the supermarket. Little uh, Yakult, I think, yes. the brands are. Yes, and it's why I'm now going to refer to this as a health drink. Health <laughs> drink. Because like it. it contains probiotics. It's good for gut health. Mm. So the, the, lactobacillus, the lactobacillus is the main uh, souring bacteria that, that they add. It's, it, uh, it's the bacteria that forms lactic acid which is also the same bacteria, same acid that makes your legs burn on a when you're doing leg day at the gym. Yeah. The pediococcus bacteria, it's in the same family and it's often used in Belgian beers to add acidity. It's, the pediococcus bacteria can metabolize without oxygen, so it lives a little bit longer while you're uh, fermenting. Um, if you if you age it, the um, this particular bacteria can give your beer a buttery taste. Mm. And the Brettanomyces is also known as also known as Brett. Good old Brett, making beers tasty. Um, unlike the Saccharomyces. Uh, Cerevisiae, which makes the ales, and the Pastor, Pastorianus, which makes the lagers. Um, Brettanomyces, when used incorrectly, actually ruins the beer. It can add uh, flavors of poop and Band-Aid aromas. Well, that's certainly not what you want. No. Um, but if you get it right, it can add a balancing layer of earthiness. Which is, like, I can see where both of those, like, 
the the earthy flavors are uh, when you have a little bit, and if you have too much earthy flavors, it could totally go poopy. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I get why they would use it as well because they add a lot of acidity mm. and a lot of citric flavors to to sours. Yeah, to bring out that sourness. So to balance it out a little, that earthiness makes sense. Yeah, I mean they could also add like vinegar or citric acid to the end product but this is probably a i would say this is a more natural way of doing it and creates a more complex and interesting beer than just adding acid Mm, and certainly adding acids is something that they do for you know achieving extra acidity when it's not acid enough and they also you know add extra tartness by literally adding fruit Mm. to get the citric acids and some of the natural juices yeah that will then sour and add more of a sour fruitiness yeah yeah absolutely so on that note um before we get into the styles we should taste what we're drinking today so what we are drinking is the Colonial Brewing Co. Southwest Sour. <laughs> Southwest Sour. Now, unlike a lot of the sours that you see out there that have a fruit flavor on them, like a strawberry sour or you know, some other fruit kind of sour, I don't know what this tastes like. No, they don't actually tell you any... They don't give you any hints on... What it might, what uh, flavors it might taste oh, like. No um, indication. It, although it says uh, naturally acidified and featuring tropical hops from both hemispheres, this is a fresh and vibrant cleanser. Mm, so we can expect it to be fresh and vibrant, and we know it contains tropical hops. Mm. But that doesn't Pro- tell us like an, citra hops or something. Yeah, doesn't tell us an awful lot about what sort of flavors we can expect out of it because sours vary so immensely in their flavor profile because everyone makes them slightly different and yeah because the uh i guess the recipes are so different you end up with extraordinarily different beers yeah so i guess let's start by talking about what these smell like it smells really hoppy, actually. Yeah, it actually smells surprisingly hoppy. I thought that I would be getting a lot of fruit and sour kind of notes out of it, but it, mm. I mostly smell the citra hops. It's definitely... Yeah. Yeah, I mo- I, I'm mostly smelling hops. Yeah. I suppose most sours we've had up to now have been mostly fruity sours. So, like a blood orange sour or a, a passion fruit sour. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this one is very much not, obviously. Mm. And and the smell is somewhat reminiscent of an IPA. Yeah. Obviously not as uh, punch-to-the-face hoppy, um, but definitely hop, hoppier than I thought. More hoppy than a pale. Uh, obviously definitely more hoppy than a lager. Mm, well, and that, that hop smell is definitely at the fore of the nose of this beer. Hmm. It's the very first thing you notice, and then under that are tones of, I guess, some citrus and fruit. Yeah. All right, let's taste. Cheers. 
that was a disappointing non-noise. Yeah. It's weird drinking out of a can like that. Oh, yeah, because these are weird cans. Yeah. Um. Huh. So, 100% refreshing. Um. There's not... Most of the taste is on the front. There's, yeah. there's like a hole in the back of my palate that's not getting any... Any flavor? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> truly bizarre. That there, there literally is a part of the tongue that gets nothing, but the flavor profile is really interesting. It's refreshing, but it's sour, and then the tastes change mm. as it sort of moves into a, a very different aftertaste to the to the initial flavors. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of earth in there. Oh, yeah. Just a hint. And, yeah, it's like there's a certain... The sourness initially is very different to the sourness that lingers at the end. Mm. And I I can't really... I'd like to be able to describe it, but I just can't (laughs) think of the words for it right now. Yeah. But at the same time, and you'd have probably noticed this from the picture... These are interesting cans, and normally we'd have poured these drinks directly into glasses because that's the right thing to do. But the whole top of this can comes off, basically making it like a glass. Yeah, it's got like a a ring pull top as opposed to the the tab where you pull pull a tab and it creates a hole in the side of the lid. Like but, the, the whole thing just ring pulls off. Yeah, so I, I thought that this might be kind of like drinking out of a glass or the next best thing. Yeah. So it was worth giving it a shot, but it's absolutely bizarre drinking out of this. Mm, definitely different. Very different. Don't know how I feel about it, but I reckon it's better than... You get more smell than just a regular can. Oh yeah, more more smell, and the the smell enhances the flavor. Mm. So obviously, it's it's better than a regular can. But I am going to pour this into a glass now. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same because it's while uh, better because we're not used to it. It's a li- it feels a little odd to drink out of. And now we can see the color of it as well. Oh yeah, very. It it's the same color as you'd expect to see a lager, crystal clear, pale straw. Yeah, an almost golden straw color. Yeah, but obviously way too much effervescence for a lager. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, any head that came up just almost immediately vanished down to. Mm. Just a subtle layer of bubbles across the top. Yeah. You can smell it a lot more now. I mean, that's should be... Yeah. That should be obvious, given that we've just poured it into a glass. Yes, exactly. And the it does smell better. Like, it smelled good before. Yeah, it smells even better. It smells even better now. And I, I can smell more than just the hops now, like, more easily. Yeah. And it tastes a lot more sour too, which is quite nice. I do mm. prefer it. Yeah, prefer beers out of a glass than a can. 
Yeah, and this really is so refreshing. Like I often find with sours that they're they're supposed to be refreshing, but sometimes they're so sour. Yeah, just so tart that they leave a leave your face a bit puckered up. Yeah, and <laughs> it may be refreshing, but you can't drink it the way you want to because of the tartness. Mm, absolutely. Uh, these are. So these are 4.6%. So that's quite, that seems quite high for a sour. Mm, well, I mean, it's it's a, about in heavy territory. Yeah, full strength beer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, with sours, because of the variety, there's not really a set strength that you can expect the beers to be. No, there's no standard yet. Though that does seem to be happening more across the board with craft beers in general Mm. that they'll take any style where the percentage is normally at some number in particular and then they'll either make it a lot higher or a lot lower yeah very true all right let's get back into the let's get back to the content uh we are going to now talk about the styles of sours you can expect to find. Yes. So, I guess we can start by talking about the American Wild Ale. Because uh, they are brewed in the United States, mostly. Mostly, yes. (laughs) I know there's nothing in the name to suggest that, but but yes, they are mostly brewed in the United States, utilizing yeast and bacteria strains instead of, or in addition to, standard brewer's yeast. And these microflora can be cultured or acquired spontaneously, and the beer can be fermented in a number of different types of brewing vessels. American wild ales apparently tend to have... Oh, American wild ales tend not to have specific parameters or guidelines stylistically, and prefer to just use unusual yeasts that happen to be about the place. Hmm. Makes sense. Um, so the next one on our list is the Gosa. It's a German sour, traditionally made with coriander and sea salt. It's we, we did a whole episode on it a few months back, and I highly recommend giving that beer a try. Um, it's a very savory beer with, obviously, coriander and salt in it, um, but there always seems to be a good balance between salty, herbaceous, and sour. Um, and because of the growing popularity of craft beers in the, because of the growing popularity of sours in the craft brewing scene, ghosts are kind of making a comeback, along with the others on our list. Yeah. So we also have the. Flanders Red Ale, which are fermented with brewer's yeast and then placed in oak barrels to age and mature. And usually the mature beer is then blended with younger beer to adjust for taste and consistency. And they are sometimes also referred to as Flemish Red. Hmm. The... uh Red uh, Flanders comes in two styles. You've got the red Flanders, which typically tastes more like fruit. 
typically tastes more fruit, but brown flan while brown Flanders tends to have more notes of raisin plums and earth. Hmm. Well, sounds interesting. Sounds very interesting. Yeah. I've had a few Flanders reds before and they're always very nice. I wouldn't call them especially sour though. Ah, like there's notice they're noticeably drier than you'd expect a beer to be, but they're not, uh, Grosser, sour, or sour, sour. Right. So now let's talk about Lambic, because that is spontaneously fermented beer made in the Pagetanland region around Brussels, Belgium, where the wort is left to cool overnight in the Kolschip, where it is exposed to the open air during the winter and the spring, and then placed into barrels to ferment and mature. Mm. And uh, most Lambics are blends of several seasons batches or are secondarily fermented with fruits. So pure unblended Lambic is quite rare and difficult to find. I believe that's the style of ale that is unpopular in the craft brewers because that's the bacteria that doesn't get out of your fermenting uh, vessel. Because those truly wild, naturally occurring bacterias are... They're tough. Yeah, they're they're aggressive. They'll wipe out any other bacteria you put in there. Yeah. And they're very resilient. Mm. They'll stick around and flavor... Every single beer in the future. So you tend not to get many of those yeah. anymore. So last on our list is the Berliner Weiss, a German wheat beer with low alcohol by volume and high carbonation. It's generally generally has a lemony tart flavour and it's a little more subtle than most other Belgian and American sours and generally is made with the lactobacillus. Mm. And it actually sounds similar to what we're drinking here. Because there's not really much of a description. It's Southwest Sour Yeah, is what they've called this. But what exactly is that? Well, according to... The interwebs. This particular <laughs> beer is a warm weather seasonal brewed in Margaret River in Western Australia's southwest. Mm. Its pale wheat and Munich malts build a light body with a hint of sweetness. It is partially fermented with a natural acidifying bacteria in the brew house. Ale yeast completes the job in the fermentation tank, adding a little extra fruitiness to boot. And then, of course, the hops from both hemispheres to provide the vibrant tropical aroma, but with low bitterness to keep it light and refreshing. Mm. Um, There's almost no bitterness at all to this. Yeah, no. And that is surprising considering the very obvious hoppy notes. Mm. So they've it's a very well-balanced sour. And that just, to me, sounds... Because I, I can't find anything specifically about a southwest style of sour. 
No, I would say that's just because it was brewed in the Margaret River area. In the southwest area, yeah. Southwest of Australia. Yeah, but I feel as though it is actually in the style of the Berliner Weiss. Yeah. I mean, it's not very lemony or citrusy, but definitely very, very light compared to basically every other sour I've had so far. It's very nice. Very, very nice. Um, Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's a, that's about it for the episode, everybody. Well, we should probably rate this. Oh, yeah. How many ring pulls would you <laughs> give this can of Southwest Sour? Yeah, I'd give it a seven and a half to eight. Like, it's nice. Um, but, like, it's nice and refreshing. Um, I'd drink it if it was there, but I don't know if I'd go out of my way to buy it again. Yeah, I kind of feel the the same way. I'd probably seven and a half or an eight as well. And yeah, I like it. I'm enjoying it. It's refreshing. Mm. And when it's nice and cold straight out of the fridge, it's mm. you know even more so. It's definitely better from a glass than the can. Yeah. But yeah, would I go out of my way to to buy this again? Like that, there are other beers that I would have instead. Mm. So, what did you rate it? So about the same as you, seven and a half or an eight. Hmm. Yeah, good flavors, but nothing spectacular. Yeah, it's very pleasant. It's very enjoyable. It's very refreshing. Mm. But it's definitely not a. This is my every time beer. Yeah, it um like it's nice, but it doesn't stand out. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 I mean, give it a try. It's got a very compared to the other sours I've had. Mm. The fl- it's a very different flavor profile. Very easy to drink too. Yes. So it definitely wins points for that. Yeah, yeah, with without a doubt. So I guess if you aren't sure about sours because you don't like things that are particularly tart, this is probably a good sour to start with. Yeah, the uh, Berliner Weiss style because it's pretty mild. I suppose the um, R- Red Flanders as well. Yeah. Yeah, because some of the fruitier ones, especially with a fruit in the name, tend to be quite tart. Mm. Yeah. And if you're feeling brave, try a traditional gosa. Yes, they can be very nice if you're in the mood. Yeah. Or they can be a uh, punch to the face if you're not expecting it. Yes. (laughs) So if you liked our episode, everybody, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are a good drop all about alcohol on your favorite podcast app, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and many more. Yes, you can also find us on the socials, Facebook and Insta Facebook, Insta Facebook. as a good drop podcast. Hmm. And if you want to check out our massive library of previous episodes, jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au. And if you've got any comments, questions, suggestions for future episodes, or if you've had a sour that you've had and really love it, let us know. Send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. And do be sure to join us next time when we go back to some old-fashioned cocktail with the old-fashioned. One of the nicer cocktails. One of the nicer old cocktails, I reckon. Oh yeah, like the the classics are classics for a reason and they've hung around for a reason. Yeah. And the old fashioned is one of the greats from that category. Absolutely. So tune in to find out more.
Until next time, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>